in a world where comic book movies and TV shows have embedded themselves into the zeitgeist, two nerds created a podcast to save the world. That podcast is Nerdgasming with Robbie Rockets and the dude Dariel. All right, and we are finally back again, continuing our normal routine now. Finally, I know weekly. Yes, so excited, so much to talk about. So much. You know what? Let's let's start off with uh, over the week. There was a bit of a movement on uh, the Twitterverse. I know. The, this is like the Twitter sphere was clamoring for the Snyder Cut prior to it releasing. Yeah. And once we got the Snyder Cut, fans were really happy. And the hashtag release the Snyder Cut changed to hashtag restore the Snyder Burks. Boom. One, I think I was reading one million. They, the hashtag reached one million people. I saw that and I said, oh my goodness, Warner Brothers must be going nuts after they said they weren't going to give in to fandom. Which it doesn't make sense that they would say we're not giving up to fandom. But also, the reasoning for releasing the Snyder Cut was to appease fans, you know? It's contradictory. Yeah. Because, like, this is, this is what the CEO of Warner Media and um, Sarnoff said. In regards to releasing Zack Snyder's Justice League, she says, and I quote, We wanted to give Zack the opportunity to complete his vision in a four-hour movie which is impossible to do in theaters. We're happy that we have HBO Max to let the rope out as it were and allow the fans to see all four hours of Zach's vision. So, okay, basically you you have HBO Max at your disposal. You can release a four hour movie, right? And you wanted to do it because you want to see Zach's vision. Also allow the fans to see Zach's vision, right? But we won't restore the Snyderverse because we have too many DC things in the works and we don't want to muddy the waters. Listen, this is a whole huge spectrum. It's a multiverse, which we know that. This, was, this has been stated. It's a multiverse. You can do almost anything. You could basically do whatever the fuck you want. They've already confirmed that there's several different Earths in this DC, you know, media universe, you know, like t- the TV, I think the CW shows that they consider that Earth Prime, right? Or Earth One. It's all part of the same multiverse. I don't know if, I don't, I guess it would be the main Prime Earth and we don't know because, what Earth the DCEU is right now. Yeah, because on top of that, DCEU's Flash has popped up on and the he, CW. Exactly, the crisis on Infinite Earths, and no less, that's how the Ezra Miller Flash got his name, The Flash. He goes, The Flash, I kind of like that name. Like, it happened right there where he became The Flash. So for that, that shows you that they're all existing in a same measurement. Also, two years ago, we got a Joker movie. (laughs) Exactly. You know? And... It was not connected to Batman in any way. Which I think this Joker movie obviously is involved with the multiverse. There's no way yeah, it's it, not. It's, it's obviously it's obviously in like some other universe outside of like the DCEU, the CW shows, and like if you want to consider the animated shows like some sort of canon, then yeah, sure. And in my perspective, I, I feel like if they really wanted to they could write Joaquin Phoenix's Joker movie into the Rob Pattinson Batman movie. Because if you think about it, I'll take Joaquin, say him there as the Joker, say he's in his 30s, no less. We see he encounters a young Bruce Wayne at the gate. What's not to say Rob Pattinson, young Batman, say he's in his 20s, all right? Maybe 25, 26, I'll go with. That okay, all right a 20-year gap, and it gives Joaquin to be in his 50s, which he could easily pass for his 50s 
and exist he's already in that in universe. It, like mid forties, if I'm not mistaken. You know, so that kind of works if they do intertwine that. Whether they do that or not, I don't know. But he could stay his own separate Earth, and eventually the three Jokers maybe comes about. Yeah, there's there's so, so much that they could do. So much you can do, and also with this whole restore the Snyderverse thing, fans now are requesting to see David Ayer's cut of Suicide Squad. Now, yeah. Suicide, this is much different from the Suicide Squad, which is releasing in August. Yes, James Gunn's. We're yeah, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. We're talking about Suicide Squad that came out, what, that was 2016, 2017? Yeah, give or take, somewhere around give there. Take. And um, for people who don't know, the story behind release the airs cut is apparently, and this has become a, a trend with DC and it's DCEU movies, they feel like they have to constantly meddle in the production of their films and constantly undermine the work of the directors they hired to see their vision, right? So apparently, David Ayer's Suicide Squad, the movie we got in theaters, is a jumbled mess. He didn't even edit. It's almost like... They changed everything around, and when he saw the movie in theaters, he was like, what the fuck happened to my movie? Like, apparently, he filmed so many scenes with Jared Leto, and yeah, never and he seen had it. such a small also, part in the yeah, movie. Yeah, and also, it was like, after seeing the Snyder Cut of Justice League, you have things, he removed the... Do you bleed? ...scene, and like, added things that, obviously, Joss Whedon took out. If there is, well, it's not if, there is an heiress cut. What if the heiress cut portrays Joker in such a better light? Like, what if... They used the scene, they put in scenes that were shitty. And somewhere out there, there is some cut or some shot that is actually a better performance. Like our vision of him in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Exactly. You know, that would so, be top notch. And why won't you? What do you lose? I like, I, I, I understand, like, I can see the point if they don't want to release it because it might confuse some fans who are not diehards because you have this uh, reboot slash sequel coming out in August. But, like, you could still release it in a year or two. Yeah. We know that James Gunn's movie is, like, some sort of a sequel to it because Margot Robbie still a, knows a, what happened. Yeah, no, it's a, sequ it's a sequel slash reboot. It's like a soft reboot because it's not a hard reboot. Yeah, because some characters I, returning, some aren't returning. Yeah, exactly. And it's just a different story. They're just on a different mission this time around. So it's uh, as if like the Suicide Squad has been around for a few years. Yes. That's and that's what I'm getting from this film. It's so funny because I feel like when Warner Brothers is like, like you said, meddling with the people that they're hiring, you know, I, I feel like Zack Snyder and like David Ayer, they're all like, you know, I would have got away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids, like a Scooby-Doo type thing. I swear to God, that's what this seems like. I This is what I see. It's exactly that. I can't believe it. There's nothing else to say, look, because it's it's frustrating. It's I, I can only imagine how frustrating it must feel as a creator, you know, as a artist trying to create, you know, this these movies because... You have a vision for them. You're also these are also fans. It's not like these directors aren't fans of what they're making. You know. Yeah, like they've David read Ayers, adaptations of these. Yeah, David Ayers is a fan of like the Suicide Squad and DC Comics. Zack Snyder is the number one comic guy in Hollywood. I think he's made a amazing. I mean, the Watchmen movie, a masterpiece. I mean, the the guy knows what he's doing. You may you may not agree with his portrayal of like characters such as Superman, you know, because the biggest complaint people have about Man of Steel is the ending. Yeah. Superman wouldn't snap his neck like that. But it's interesting to see a different vision it's, it's, of it's, that it's, it's, perspective. It's, 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 yeah. Like, how often do we get the interpretation of Batman being semi, like, ruthless, in a sense? We've never seen live action. Like, in comics, we've seen it, obviously, but we've never seen it live action. Yeah. Like, it's nice to see that true adaptation on the big screen. It's cool. It's always cool to see a true adaptation that is true to form and holds up the original. But sometimes it's 
fun to get an adaptation that changes things, that makes it a little gritty. So you want want something different. You don't want everything to be the same. Exactly. It's like, uh, and we'll talk about it later on on the pod, the show Invincibles. Yeah. There are changes in that, there are changes that they made from the graphic novel for the animated series. They're not major changes. They're minor. I think they might have changed the timeline a bit in the TV show compared to when the comic started. And like, they just changed a few things around and amped it, but it was all for the better. Like they're changes for the better. And it's yeah. just to easily adapt it to this new medium. Because no matter what, a comic is a comic book, but a movie is a movie. And you can never perfectly, it is so hard to capture the magic of a comic on screen. I agree 100%. There's always going to be a loose adaptation or you, there's never the complete adaptation. It's always I mean, going to differ at Marvel. from each other. Look at how Marvel does it with the MCU. They take bits and pieces of characters' origin stories or story arcs and build their movies around bits and pieces. Yeah. Be happy that Zack Snyder is taking legit comics and turning them into the Justice League because this Justice League is basically an adaptation of the New 52. Yeah. And the Dark Side Wars. It's true. And it's going to be huge when all this now drops you know you think you think the infinity war and endgame's huge there's even more stuff that's huge yeah like it never so, it's never ending almost it is it is and it, it i i i hope that we can get an airs cut of the suicide squad i hope they do restore the snyder verse and at some point we do get the rest of Zack snyder's justice league trilogy i agree you know uh, not a not as just like a comic book fan but just like as a fan of movies in general like we i i think you can never have too many movies out there's always something out there for someone you know and And if Zack snyder had it all planned out already let him do it yeah why not like he said never say never he also said in his you know his sequel you would see the scene of harley quinn dying in batman's arms he would obviously change things around because he said so much about what these movies are going to be but the ideas are still there yeah we'll see on a still dc related note and less uh critical and pessimistic we ha- we finally got a full trailer for james gunn's the suicide squad oh man what a trailer yeah I- give me your thoughts rob so i like i felt like we had a new interpretation on rick flag he didn't seem as serious in the first suicide squad movie like he seemed more of a comedic relief type guy. Like when he was he, showing up to rescue Harley, he's like, "Oh shit, we're we're actually here to rescue you." You know, <laughs> like Rick was not really like that in the no, other he movie. Wasn't. So it's because if you watch the theatrical cut of Suicide Squad, it feels like they were trying to mix gritty with campy comedy. And it just didn't work because probably David Ayers had no comedy in his movie. He mm-hmm. Apparently, he, he has said he wanted a gritty drama with very little jokes. He thought the jokes were should be saved for Marvel, right? Yeah, but and now Suicide we have James Squad's Gunn, always been who, jokey. It, it has been always jokey. You know, there's like moments of seriousness. But for the most part, suicides, the Suicide Squad comics are jokey because... You have these villains mashed up together doing these insane missions. And you have James Gunn, who, let's be honest, the man is the king of camp. Yeah. And Guardians, the of, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Hysterical. Movies. Hysterical. Uh, I believe the movie Super, starring, I forget the actor's name, but he's he plays Dwight in The Office. Oh, um, oh gosh. Now, I, I, yeah, I know which guy. You're I know you're a big about. office guy, so you know. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. Uh, James Gunn directed a movie called Super, starring Rain Wilson, and he plays a vigilante. It's really funny. Check it out on Hulu. Uh, but yeah, that's it's his style. So seeing seeing the trailer, I hope Warner Brothers and DC doesn't meddle with his movie. I doubt they will, though. I think they're done with that. I think they, yeah. le- they might have learned their lesson. That's true. I mean, with a guy... Listen... If they were smart, put it this way, they would know not to really meddle with a guy like James Gunn if he was so successful with the first two Guardians movies for the MCU alone. Like, that's huge. And they see how big the MCU got from all their films. 
also the trailer is so campy it gave us a dick joke yeah <laughs> like oh man that was hysterical the actor john cena who's playing uh peacemaker in the movie said he would suck dicks in the name of liberty if he had to do it in the name of liberty he would <laughs> oh and it's so funny because you know that he also John Cena's playing Peacemaker, who has his own spinoff already to go on HBO. Yeah, Max. which is insane. And James Gunn is writing all the episodes for it. So oh. and I, I think it's a six to eight episode series. I think it was yeah. something of that kind of size. So we have more James Gunn involved with DC. And, and we'll have more Peacemaker and dick jokes, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's one last part about the trailer that I would love to talk about. At the end of the trailer, someone says, is that a fucking kaiju? <laughs> and we see a DC villain who I thought we would never get in live action. We got Starro making oh, yeah. his live action. What do you, what do you think? Because I personally, as a, as a fan of the DC comics and the DC animated shows, Starro has always been a point of interest. I'm not going to say he's a favorite villain, but I, I do find him refreshing. He's not someone that you, like, as you said, you would expect to pop out on the big screen. Yeah. You know, most people were probably like, wait a minute, did James really do that just now? He's like, like he appeased to something for the fans, you know? Meanwhile, they're saying, oh, yeah, we're not doing it for the fans. Oh, please. Yeah. This guy, he, he's the, he did this for the fans. He, and he did. It's so funny because, so on this other podcast I listened to, Inside of You, with uh, Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex Luthor in Smallville, mm. James Gunn was on this podcast, and he, they're actually good friends, so he interviewed him about it, and he even says, like, he does certain things in Guardians. He does it for the fans, you know? Like, he threw in Rosenbaum as a CGI character, and he's like, listen, I didn't throw you in there for no reason. I expect to use you at some point, no matter how minimal your role is. I do this stuff for the fans. Some fans will know you from the comic, some won't, but yeah. it's for the fans when you really look at it all. So, at least for me, I knew what I was expecting with James Gunn, and for him to throw in a tidbit like that, you're like, oh boy, now we're talking. So it's going to be fun to see uh, the Suicide Squad fight this intergalactic starfish who also has the power to control people's minds and is a conqueror of worlds. Yeah, so this know. August, we'll see how they how they deal with such a such a foe. And it's cool because James Gunn also he's using actors that we're also familiar with in this movie. Sylvester Stallone is voicing King Shark. King Shark. So Pete Davidson is Blackguard. And he even took Michael Rooker who was Yondu to be in this movie. And I love seeing Rooker in that trailer because Rooker's a guy you never see with long hair. And he has such long white hair in the movie, when, uh, in the movie, in the trailer, that I just started cracking up. You know, I just, I couldn't believe, because I'm, I'm used to seeing this guy with a shaved head, like redneck type look from yeah. Walking Dead as well. So to see that happen, I was like, this is great. It was just priceless to see i'm excited uh, yeah i'm excited i can't wait for august to come oh. to watch this movie anyway rob uh last friday we got the second episode of falcon and the winter soldier and uh before we talk about it i just want to say much quicker paced the episode yes um it really i think probably the first five minutes are probably the slowest i agree and Until it, it really the show kicks off when Bucky and Sam walk in the same room and they start talking together. Yeah, you know these two are finally like they're kind of going at it with each other too. It, it and it's not even like they're going at it because they hate each other. It, it's it's the odd couple thing, and they yes. do the odd couple so well. It's it's hysterical because you even see how this works out in a therapy session. <laughs> no less. <laughs> therapy scene because they're trying to one-up each other yeah <laughs> you know and it's so funny we talk about the one-upping each other i thought one of the one of the best lines for the one-upping was oh you know the hobbit yeah i know the hobbit i read it when it first came out in 1937 <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was the perfect one-up that episode 
in the series so far. I, I think they've been really smart with uh, the old jokes. It's so funny because you're just looking at you're looking at Bucky and you're like, this guy, 106 years old, far from it the way he looks. <laughs> and the funniest thing is he is so deadpan, like, serious when he says it. As if he oh. expects people to be, like, take it seriously. Yeah. The, the show picked up in the aspect of our protagonists start together and they're finally doing something, right? Yeah. And their their whole beef really starts off with freaking the new Captain America. The new Captain America. I know he's supposed to play a dick and I know we're not supposed to like him, but like, I don't like him. <laughs> I hate him. I absolutely cannot stand him. I want him. I want him decked in the face. He's an asswipe. He really is. You know, I get it. He may have bailed them out and whatnot in the episode, but I was like, you're still a douchebag. I'm sorry. He came off like a douchebag, as if they should be thankful. I couldn't stand him. I, I still can't stand him. He's he's just very aggravating. He's got a very punchable yeah. face. Fuck him and his little sidekick. Yeah, like, come on. You shouldn't have the shield to begin with. Let's be real. And then calling Bucky a sidekick? Yeah, seriously. Like, Oh, no, not Bucky. He called uh, Sam a sidekick. You just can't. I'm sorry. You're not Mind all that. You, Sam is a side character, but he is no sidekick. No. Uh, I'm warm. I'm I'm on the Sam train. I'm sl- I'm slowly getting on the Sam train. Yeah. Um, prior um, prior to this season and this uh the, the first episode, I was not on the the Falcon ship, but uh, now I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And it's so funny how they actually dropped the little subliminal hint from Civil War. They were like, yeah, remember last time we stole the shield? <laughs> you know, yeah. we had everyone after us. Listen, steal the fucking shield again, please. That guy should Dude. not have that shield. Also, this episode did something I never expected Marvel to do. Now, are you about to bring up a certain somebody's name? No. Okay. I'm going to talk. Now, the person, are you talking about the person in the house? Yes. Okay. What I'm talking to is related to, you can set us up and and I'm going to talk, because what I'm talking about is after what you're talking about. I know. I already know what you're talking about. And now that we both know what we're both talking about, I think it's time to let our listeners know what we're we're talking talking about. (laughs) But we got a drop on something, first of all, Bucky never told Steve, which was, I thought, absolutely insane. Because to me, I was like, wow, his best friend, no less. He did not say a single thing to, even after they took him back into the fold, they accepted him from his, like, Hydra brainwash and everything. Bucky brings Sam to a gentleman by the name of Isaiah Bradley. And for those people who don't know who Isaiah Bradley is, he is the first black Captain America, basically, from the comic books. And he fought, not in World War II here in the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but he fought during the Korean War. And Sam could not believe the truth about it all, which we also... You know what? I'll, I'll make my little drop later in my little fun facts thing. But um, it's insane that we get this huge secret drop and who Bucky really was. He fought Isaiah in war and let him be captured for 30 years, like he said, poked and prodded at. And it caused a big scene. Noise in the wall and everything. And then those two leave the house. And we got to look at something that's been going on in the real world. Yeah, something that, for me personally, it hits really close to home. So when they go to see Isaiah, uh, they're in Baltimore. Yes, you know, Baltimore, he, Maryland. It just, so happens, it just so happens that he lives in Baltimore, Maryland, a predominantly Black city. Yes. And so when Bucky and Sam leave the house, there's a scene where Sam is stopped by a cop. With their argument and everything, because it looks yeah, like there's like a fight going on. Almost. There's a fight. They're, they're arguing like they should, like they always do, like friends do. It's like the like an argument friends have. Yeah, and they're bickering like children, because you know they constantly have a dick swinging contest going on. Those two, basically. And the cop goes up to Sam, tries to arrest him, and then says to Bucky, "Sir, is he bothering you?" I my eyes lit up on that scene. I was like. Holy crap, did that really just happen? And it's amazing that the way that scene goes out, he goes, dude, 
that's Falcon. That's one of the Avengers. And all of a sudden, everything's yeah. okay. So no, all no of problem. It changes because it shows it, and it mirrors the real world because it doesn't matter how successful you are as a person of color when you are stopped in those situations all of that goes out the window you're not seen as the celebrity in this case you're not seen as the hero in the eyes of whoever is stopping you you are automatically a criminal and you're not even like they didn't even bother to see him as a person and they they were mistreating him talking him all being all rude and nasty and the second he finds out he figured out oh i'm talking to falcon he wants to be nice. And then he wanted to call off the backup. Because then we see, like, like, what was it? Two, three more squad cars coming in cars from other directions. In. So it, it goes to show you that, and the scene is so small, but there's so much nuance and so many little things, like the, the other squad cars coming. It goes to show you they were getting ready to just arrest Sam. Yeah. it almost Just because he was bothering, just because they thought he was bothering a white, a white person. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, that that is what it is. That's that's why I said it. You know, that's literally how I, it looks. I, I didn't. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to be. I don't want to be seen as the the angry colored person. I mean, you know, I'm white. I look white, so <laughs> it works out. I could say it. It's all good. Listen, cool. uh, if you said it, I would have agreed with you. You know. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so we're fine there. Don't worry. But and it's interesting that Marvel did that. Yeah. It, it and goes did that to with show. this show, and mind you, in Wandavision, the show's about grief. It's it, Wandavision deals with some heavy, heavy stuff because the whole point of the show is dealing with grief. It's true. And it feels like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The whole show is finding your place in a world that, like, you might not even have a place in. Yeah, you know, these people have disappeared. Sam and Bucky. And it's funny. Sam is already, Sam, uh, not Sam, Bucky's already a man out of time. And Bucky's a guy who technically disappeared twice, no less. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he got, he got fucked over two times. Uh, the real fuck over was from Hydra. We all know that. Yeah. But then the blip was just the fucking icing on top of it all, you know? And now we have Sam who didn't want to take the shield for his own personal reasons, no matter how much that upsets Bucky and it makes sense why it upsets Bucky because I think at the end of the day Bucky wants the shield and it wouldn't surprise me at the end of this series Bucky's the new cat yeah I, I think, wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised either to be honest I, and you know and I think everyone feels like the new cap would be Falcon and I think that's cool and awesome but to be honest with you and to be quite frank it's more powerful if Sam is the Falcon mm-hmm. because it's him. It's his own individuality. He is not, he doesn't have to pick up the mantle. He doesn't it's, have to deal with being, you know, representing something. It's more of no like a redemption. What, yeah, because the, the idea of Captain America, and it's it feels as if this is what they're doing in the series, is supposed to represent this whole, he is the all-American American. When this episode starts, we have our new Cap reeling from the fact that can I ever live up to Steve? Fuck no. <laughs> no, you can't. And then him saying, oh, do I have a place here? All this other stuff. And in reality, you don't. He doesn't. No matter how you look at it, he has no place. He's trying to fulfill a role that was given to him because he thinks being Captain America means he has to be the perfect American. That idea will be tested in this series because it's interesting that we're dealing with who will become the next Captain America. And our villain is a terrorist group that doesn't believe in nations or borders. Yeah. So it's fascinating that we're dealing with these people who don't want any type of titles, right? They want everything autonomous. And at the same time, they're fighting against this inst- this institution of America and what it represents. They're going against everything. Yeah. So they basically want to put the world back to the way it was during the blip. The blip, yeah. And now you have now countries are back, and yeah. now you have a vacant spot with the shield not having an owner. Well, now having an owner because we have a new cap. But now we have this new cap trying to figure out who Captain America is and who he is as Captain America. 
And I think with Sam, Sam is having the same issues, but I think Sam wants more individuality. Yeah, and it, I feel like they're trying to think that they have to be like the perfect American, as you said, to be Cap. If you really like touch up on that, think of it. Was Captain America, you know, Steve Rogers, was not the perfect American, no, if you think not. about it. Like, he was a remember, criminal. He was a criminal for a while. Exactly. Like, remember, he covered for Bucky on killing Howard Stark. That was huge. And that's a, my my reason as part of the take on why he wasn't worthy to lift Thor's hammer in the beginning, because he had that looming over him. So yeah, you got to realize not even Steve Rogers was the perfect American for Captain America. You know, him staying back in the past still don't make him the perfect American. He's messing up time right there by doing that. Messing up the multiverse. You know, he and him doing that is for his own selfish reasons. Yeah. Which I still love that ending for him. But ideally, it's to show that nobody's perfect. If Bucky became the next Captain America, we know he's not perfect. He's flawed. He got brainwashed by Hydra and did things he has nightmares of. And maybe his man, the mantle of Captain America by the end of all of this is something of redemption. Yeah. Like maybe he's not meant to be White Wolf. We don't know. Or as Sam said, what are you, the White Panther? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I. I, I love the part when they show up in Baltimore and there's a kid standing outside of their car and he's like, hey, it's the Black Falcon. Oh, <laughs> so what am I supposed like, to call you, Black Kid? <laughs> yeah. It, I, I, the Black Falcon, because you black and you the Falcon. I thought it was funny that both, like, Bucky, who's white, Sam, who's black, they both got name drops to their color, like White Panther and Black Falcon. <laughs> I like I do like that they're normalizing the fact that they are different races and really talking about it. And now we're on a podcast talking about race. You see how that works? Oh, it, that was... I'm not angry about the discussion. You know, we're having a simple discussion about race. Yeah, like that was that was funny as hell. Oh. That was fu- yeah, and we don't really get anything special this episode, really. You know, aside no. from the Isaiah reveal and that there are other super soldiers. Yeah, there is there is another reveal I have, but it's in my fun facts. So and at the end, they turned to someone. They turned to someone who I've been eagerly waiting for. Me me as well, because we haven't seen this gentleman since he uh, created the civil war between the Avengers. We we're getting Zemo this week. I love when they say they have to see him. Go go see Zemo. And then the opera just drops right in. I was like, and I, he's and it's just him just staring outside that glass. Yeah, I was like, here we go, finally. So I'm excited for you know what's next to come because I'm hoping with Zemo showing up that Sharon is gonna make her way in. Yeah, you know, at she's, some point, I yeah, hope so. She's gotta, she's gotta make her drop. Also, in here. I wonder if Zemo is behind the flag smashers. I, I wonder if that he, he is. I wonder if he's orchestrating them or he takes over. Because it seems as if that girl is the leader of the Flag Smashers. Yeah. But I don't think she stays leader for long. Yeah, I have a feeling. I have a feeling Zemo's the one to uh, take over for that. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see what's to come about the next uh, next episode next week. I'm excited. Yeah. This week will this week will be episode three, and then three more episodes, and we're done. And another new series premiered Friday. Uh, yeah. Dropped first three episodes on Amazon Prime Video. It is the adaptation of Robert Kirkman's graphic novel Invincible. Rob, you've never read the Invincible graphic novel. You know nothing about Invincible at all, correct? So yeah, I never read the Invincible comics. I am a big reader on Robert Kirkman for his Image Comics, The Walking Dead series, which I'm almost done with those. I only have a few more chapters left in the final book. But Mm. I I think Robert Kirkman, he writes phenomenally. He even did a phenomenal job on The Walking Dead TV show, you know, loosely basing his comic into the TV show. So I had gotten intrigued when I saw actually the trailer for Invincible and I heard about it. And then it was funny because then we were talking about it and I was like, oh shit, yeah, I remember. I, I remember seeing something like that and everything and remembered that it was all Robert Kirkman as well. We have some pretty good uh, shit going on with Invincible. We do. 
Like, I, I, give me your thoughts. You're, you're new to it. You've just been exposed. Uh, Amazon, I love this thing that Amazon has been doing with their series. They, they'll drop like the first three episodes and then, you and then the next switch to a weekly format. It is great because you get a little dope and then they take the needle out. Exactly. More. <laughs> you know, you just you start nerdgasming here and then it's got to come to an end, unfortunately. So what were your thoughts on the first three episodes? So how do you feel about this universe, the, this story, the, their take on superheroes? Because uh, Invincible, for, for people who don't know, Invincible is a comic about this kid named Mark Grayson, who is the son of the world's greatest, strongest superhero, Omni-Man. He's 17 years old in high school, hasn't had his powers, gets his powers, and now he has to transition into becoming a superhero like his dad without realizing being a superhero isn't like as easy how as we it think seems. it is. Yeah, it's not as easy as it seems. And also there's some murder, there's some mystery within the graphic novel. There's, you know, and it's also in the show. There's a yeah. big mystery. They're trying to figure out what there's, there's so much going on, but it centers around Mark and his trying to figure out how to become a superhero dealing with the job. Because even as fans, we always think, oh, being a superhero would be so cool. Can you imagine saving all these people and fighting? But you never stop to think, oh, but what happens like when they see people die? Yeah, like how that takes a toll on them. Also, how you have to balance now two personas. You're balancing yeah. your real life. So for Mark, it's like balancing you know, his real life in school because he's a teenager, you know, he's, he's in, in high, high school. school. And then he's now balancing how to help people at the same time. And like you said, losing people, he first goes out there and tries to save a, the elderly woman. You know, he realizes how a death can really affect you if you don't succeed. You know, meanwhile, that wasn't the only woman he lost. Like there were other people out there in the battle. Yeah, no, there, there's, there's a battle that ensues and so many people die and he sees it and he freezes up, which is natural. Yeah. And yeah. I like the fact that this show does not glorify the idea of being a hero. No, it does not, because we get this first episode, no less, and you see how there's the Guardians of the Globe, which is kind of like, they're almost basically a Justice, Justice League. League, and you have Omni-Man, who's kind of like, he's almost like a Batman, but like a Superman, because mm -hmm. he's Superman by like, I guess, powers, very similar to that, but a Batman, because he's like a consultant to these people, like he doesn't, yeah. he's not on their team, he doesn't work with them and whatnot and he'll just pull up with the assist yeah and lo and behold we see how these guardians fight and everything instantaneously introduced to this group and instantaneously they are all killed yeah what's awesome about the show is it's honestly it's not even the fact that it talks about the life of a superhero the, the trials and tribulations of the job i like the fact that it's so fucking violent me too when do you see like a cartoon this way that's kind of like almost like a justice league justice league unlimited like animated series universe and, and that's what i was gonna say the first episode is a very traditional superhero show like it comes off very like traditional uh you know you have the superheroes you have the thing that happens uh of course it's like some bad guy tries to kill the president it's always a bad guy trying to kill the president yeah and the, you know, the superhero team comes, saves the day, Omni-Man pops up, helps them all. You know, you have Mark trying to get his powers, he's moping, he's very awkward. And then at the end of the episode, all these members of uh, our super team get, uh, get an alert. Rude awakening. They'll show up, they show up at their hideout, Omni-Man pops up, and probably like a minute after, there is head-smashing eyes popping out, blood splattered. I mean, it got excessively gory. Yeah. And I was not, I, I mean, I was expecting it because I've read it both, you know, I've read the comics and I, I knew it was going to happen. And when I first read them, I was like, oh shit, this is so awesome. And But seeing it on screen is totally different. It's always different when you see it on screen, I feel. Yeah. Like I knew, I expected some gore from the show from watching just the trailer alone. But the way Omni-Man takes out the Guardians... And it's beautifully animated, and the action sequences yeah. are, like, A1. I felt like I saw something straight out of The Boys, but in a cartoon. It's funny. The Boys demonizes the idea of superheroes, and this show is, like, humanizing the idea of superheroes. Yeah. 
it, it's crazy how you're seeing two different sides of it in two different yeah. uh, two different writings or two different visuals. And we have Omni Man mutilating the world's best superheroes. And now the bureau, what, what was what's the bureau called that uh, manages the superheroes? The, oh, um, it's ran by that guy Stedman, director of the GDA, Cecil yeah. Stedman. So we have Cecil and the GDA, and they're trying to investigate who the fuck did this. Yeah. And as a viewer, we know who the fuck did it because we saw Omni Man rip these people apart. You know. But he, but then Omni Man's trying to like so. Is Omni-Man a villain? Is he... I mean, I know the answer to it, but for people who are just watching, you know, being introduced to the series now and, like, you, you're probably wondering, what's happening? Is he mind-controlled? Yeah, that's, like, that's what? what I'm trying to figure out. Whether... So now so now this show is, like... It's a, it's a murder mystery... That we know the with, answer to, but we don't we know, know the, the, the reasoning. Yeah. We don't know the motive behind we it. We don't know, yeah, all that depth. Not only do we have like Cecil Stedman and uh, what's the other guy, Donald Ferguson of the GDA trying to figure this out. Yeah. We have a detective, Damien Darkblood, a demon. Who resembles Hellboy. Yes, he's a very good resemblance of Hellboy. To me, he reminds me a lot of John Constantine. The only character because... is there because he's trying to buy his way out of hell. Yeah, he's trying to By get solving parts. mysteries. And that's what John did for his soul basically yeah. you know they're doing they're doing it for their own selfish benefits really and it's funny too because dark blood wears like the same trench coat that john wears if yeah you think about that too <laughs> <laughs> so i i thought that that was like all really interesting to each other i i, I really love the fact that the characters in the show that you could tell their inspirations like yeah. where they're coming from and it, it's nice it it's, doesn't feel like it's it doesn't because sometimes those those things feel as if they're a ripoff or it's like ugh, they're doing that like you couldn't be original but for some odd reason this all of this comes off as an homage to superhero greats yeah definitely so i'm, ex I'm excited to finish the season when you know when they release all the episodes i think yeah it'll release weekly until april 30th i think april 30th yeah it's, is it's the about last, like another five weeks so that's an eight episode you know series it's a nice quick watch 42 to about 50 minutes, 50 minutes give or yeah. take so and that's really not you so won't bad. regret it you won't regret it no definitely not you're gonna no. be drawn in through that first episode i can't wait till this week so this new episode and we could just keep talking about it because it's a great show and i can't wait for what's to come and when like how they'll do the season in regards to in relation to the story arcs in the comics i'm so excited for that we had a great week bob good week good week for stuff you know yeah definitely and this week we're getting this week we're getting godzilla versus kong yeah so folks, this wednesday the 31st yeah it's on a wednesday yeah all right don't be me i thought the 31st being a weekend but it's not it's a wednesday releasing on hbo max or in theaters yeah either or you can watch it one i'll probably watch it on HBO Max, and then this weekend I'll probably run to the theater to watch it because I gotta see me ca some kaiju's on some on the big screen, brother. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh man! But this is a lot of stuff coming our way. Stuff. Rob, when I ask if do we have any new additions for Rob? Fun fact. Yeah. So for those of you who are aware with Robert Kirkman, all right. Robert Kirkman did The Walking Dead, does The Walking Dead. His Well, the comic is over. That has mm. come to an end. I still have to finish it. But he's yeah, still ongoing with his TV shows of The Walking Dead, which has one more episode for season 10 and then goes to a final season 11. A awesome fun fact is with him doing Invincible, his entire cast of the Guardians of the Globe is voiced by all characters that have been in The Walking Dead. Every single one of them. You have Lauren Cohan, who is War Woman. She plays Maggie, who is, who was on the show for a long time, came on yeah. for a bit, and now she's back. You have Sonequa Martin-Green, who was on the show for a bit. She got killed off eventually. Mm. And she voices the Green Ghost. Chad L. Coleman, who is the Martian Man. He played Tyrese in The Walking Dead. Michael Cudlitz, who plays Red Rush with Sergeant Abraham Ford in The Walking Dead. 
Lenny James, who plays Darkwing. He plays Morgan Jones in The Walking Dead. And now he's also a main character in Fear the Walking Dead, the sister show. So he mm. made his way on to the other one. And Ross Marquand, who actually plays Aaron in The Walking Dead, he's immortal and Aquarius of the Guardians. Ross Marquand was also the newer Red Skull on Dath on not Dathomir, Vermeer, right? Yeah, yeah, you're Vermeer. Yeah. So you're getting your <laughs> or Voromir, Voromir. That's Voromir, what it was. Vor yeah. Jesus, I just took, I just, I just said freaking what was it? Uh, Vermeer, Vermeer from Mass Effect. <laughs> and over here, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Oh, I'm fucking dumb. <laughs> so his whole like walking dead of main characters have made their way for brief appearances on the show and also, even steven young who voices our main character mark grayson he played glenn on the walking dead he was maggie's wife he's a main character on this show so that Mark's was another glenn. big throw in and kari payton who plays king ezekiel is also black samson in invincible and believe it or oh. not, Kari Payton also voices, um, if I'm correct, Cyborg from the Injustice video game. So some little fun facts for you right there. Our other good guy, isn't it funny how J.K. Simmons, who plays J. Jonah Jameson in Spider-Man, pretty much every Spider-Man now, even in the MCU, outside the MCU, isn't it funny that he plays Omni-Man and doesn't Omni-Man look exactly like J. Jonah Jameson? Like, yeah. Isn't it kind of freaky? The mustache and all, it's weird. <laughs> like, it's I, weird. I found that so interesting that that was the case right there. It's really weird. Oh. Now that you say it, I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's bugging me out right now. I'm not right? Even our good own Mark Hamill made his way into this show as Art Rosenbaum. Oh, Seth Rogen made it onto the show. He was our little alien that thought he was going to the right planet the whole time. Alan the Alien or something like that. Alan the Alien. Oh, Alan the Alien, yeah. So, and Cecil Stedman is voiced by Walton Goggins. For anyone who has ever seen the show Justified, he plays a big main character in the TV show Justified for all of its seasons as well. So, it's a killer cast, killer cast. I have to say. Even for some of the guys who didn't even survive that long, I'm like, this is great. And you have uh, Sandra Oh playing the mother. Yeah, you know, she's in the big AMC show Killing Eve, but I thought it was great to see. For me, I was like, this is amazing. Like, he's taking something that I have adored and putting them now in something animated. So I, I was pretty ecstatic about that. Our big drop on falcon and the winter soldier so obviously we got isaiah bradley who we know is a cap he's a black captain america super soldier during the korean war dariel do you know who the person is that answers that door his grandson no. doesn't isn't his grandson a young avenger i don't so know what his grandson elijah bradley is. answers the door he is a young avenger and he is known as patriot so another glimpse at marvel showing that we're getting the young avengers we are building getting the young avengers to the young I think, avengers i think when the current avengers contract is out they're going to transition to young avengers yeah without a doubt some little fun facts for you right there cool we had some good ones this week i'm happy <laughs> I, I had a lot right there you know yeah, last week you kind of let me down <laughs> yeah you know what it was it's like i expected to get so much from snyder but it didn't happen because he told us everything. Yeah, so it's like there's no hidden like gem. <laughs> you know, he just he just put it all on the platter for us, and he said dinner is served. Rob, before we close the pod, uh, you and I share a mutual love for video games. Oh, we could both say that, right? Without a doubt. Uh, recently, I started a new one that I would love to talk about: Star Wars Squadrons. Are you familiar with it? I am familiar with it. I have not played it yet, though. Have you not played it? Uh, have you played uh, Rogue Squadrons, the original? The oh, original yes. uh, flight simulator Star Wars game. Yeah, I play, I played a few of those. I think, wow, Rogue Squadron, I might have played that on PSP, possibly. Oh, look at us. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I've played it N64, and I had uh, Rogue Squadron 2 on my GameCube. 
and playing the Star Wars games, it feel it's cool because I it's like an escape. It feels like I am a pilot of an X-wing or a Tie fighter. Like you know, in uh in the Force Awakens when Poe's flying the Tie fighter and he's like, oh my god, this thing is so fast. Yeah, he's like, this is new. This is new. Yeah, it's so fast, so easily maneuverable. Compared to when you're flying the X-wing in the game, it's very slow but very strong in terms of its firepower. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just nerding out playing the game. I'm just like. <laughs> I, I'm playing it. I'm like, I'm the greatest fucking star pilot in the galaxy. Yeah. Better than Anakin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One time I was playing the game and I thought I could take down a Star Destroyer by myself. I don't know why. I thought oh, I was Poe Dameron for a second. <laughs> oh. Didn't work out. Doesn't yeah. work out. It, it, it's so funny that you uh, say that you're trying to take out that uh, Star Destroyer because you would remind me of one person who would do that. And that person, my friend, would happen to be someone by the name of Luke Skywalker. Because then you have Han Solo comes into the fold. And my good friend yeah, Han... I didn't have I didn't have a Han Solo save me. If I had a Han Solo flying in to help me out, I would have been cool. Yeah. Well, you had Han Solo who would have been like... Great kid! Don't get cocky! That's me the whole game. I get super cocky. I'm like, <sighs> I shoot down one TIE fighter. I'm like, I could take out a whole fleet, man. That's it. That's how Han's got to put it for you. I know. I know. I got to remember. I'm having fun playing the game. That's always a plus. I need. It's always a plus. I just, I always feel the need. I, I need a new Star Wars kick. Oh, I know what you mean. I'm still getting through Path of the Jedi right now. I'm reading uh, High Republic. I started reading the High Republic books. Very good. So what, once, once I finish it, I will give uh, a review on the pod and uh, give my thoughts on uh, the High Republic and give us, you know, some, some, some old vestiges of uh, when we were spit wars. All right. I dig it. Sounds good to me. Sounds great to me. Rob, that's our show. You've, we've taken our listeners to a whole nerdgasming experience. And it hurts me to say goodbye while we're all just nerdgasming on top of each other. But I'll catch you next week, Rob. It's been real. Everyone, this is Nerdgasming with your guy, Robbie Rockets. And your dude, Dariel, Excelsior. And remember, great power comes great responsibility.